You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here on Locked On Nationals podcast today. It is July 19th. 2021, a busy show. We're going to talk all things Nationals baseball from the weekend. F.P. Santangelo back in the booth as well. Nationals lose two against the Padres in a three-game set. So there's a whole lot to get to from this weekend. Non-baseball, or excuse me, baseball really. The non-baseball stuff, the, uh, the instant reaction podcast to what happened on Saturday night, and Matt Weirich's account of what happened at Nationals Park, the NBC Sports Washington writer, who was our good friend, was there as a fan. So we had a really good conversation yesterday. That's up now. You guys can go check that out. But two shows today, the non-baseball ones from the weekend. You can find both those in your podcast feed. This one today is all about ball. We're just talking ball on this podcast today and some FP Santangelo, which does relate, I guess you could say, to the baseball also, as he is the one calling it from the booth. So we'll have a lot to get to on today's show. All right, before we discuss this weekend series, we have to touch on something that's kind of uh, really important to all of us. I mean, a lot of us are not at the Nationals games, right? We consume the Nationals through either television or radio, and I think for a majority of us, we do it through television for a majority of the time. I'm somebody, I'm, you guys have heard me on here before, but if not, you guys have heard that I really do love to, do, uh, to, hear, to listen to baseball on the radio. Still, that being said, a majority of the time where I'm getting my Nationals, watching them play, you know, where I'm getting that stuff is uh, my Nationals content, I should say, my direct Nationals content, the games, is I'm watching it on television. And so the last couple of months, F.P. Santangelo, who is the Nationals color commentator for a long time, has not been a part of that. I'm going to read from Chelsea Janes here from the Washington Post. She says, Nationals broadcaster F.P. Santangelo returns to the Masson booth. F.P. Santangelo returned to the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network broadcast to call the Washington Nationals matchup with the San Diego Padres on Friday night. Santangelo, who has provided color commentary on Nats broadcast on Masson since 2011, has been absent since late April uh, He was after he was accused of sexual misconduct in an anonymous Instagram post. A Major League Baseball investigation couldn't corroborate the allegations against Santangelo, according with people familiar to the situation. Quote, the commissioner's office and Masson have reviewed the anonymous claim made against F.P. Santangelo, and quote, a Masson uh, per- spokesperson said in a statement on Friday night issued during the Nationals-Padres game, quote, MLB and Masson have found no evidence that Mr. Santangelo violated the terms of his contract agreement, league, or network regulations, nor is there any evidence currently available to, uh, to us to collect. Uh, accordingly, Mr. Santangelo's credentials have been restored, and he presume, or resumed performing his duties tonight, end quote. Statement from the National Spokesperson referenced the conclusion of MLB and Masson's review of allegations. Quote, we were informed that MLB and Masson had completed the review of Mr. Santangelo and that Masson would be returning him to his broadcast duties today. End quote. To begin Friday night series, Santangelo uh, was with Dan Colco. FP said, quote, it's great to be back. I'm fired up the second half. This team is going to get healthy and going to go on an epic run. End quote. That's classic um, FP. So, once again, you guys remember that Santangelo uh, is employed by Masson, which asked him about the allegations when it learned of them. Santangelo denied wrongdoing, according to multiple people familiar with the situation. And he also denied the allegations publicly. Although Santangelo is not employed via the MLB or by the MLB, 
Masson asked MLB to investigate uh, and help investigate. MLB has its own department of investigations, which handles allegations against players and offered it to Masson to assist in this one. Nationals have distanced themselves from Santangelo throughout the process, going as far, uh, so far as to turn him away from the stadium in early May in the aftermath in which Masson and the Nationals traded statements. The network suggested the team was rushing to judgment by revoking its approval uh, to have Santangelo broadcast its games. Quote, Masson takes uh, any such allegation seriously, which is why we immediately notified MLB, especially when dealing with anonymous and uncorroborated allegations, due process to protect the privacy of all involved is critical. That is why it's so surprising the Nationals would be so public in their accusations, even MLB, uh, even as MLB continues its investigation. Also, um, Jesse Doherty and Ben Strauss contributed to this uh, report. So Chelsea Janes, Jesse Doherty, and Ben Strauss can, can get great credit for this article here. Um, what I would say is, what I, what I would like to say is this. Uh, FP has been a bro- part of the broadcast for a long time. And look, I think it's good. That I, th- I think removing him from broadcasts is the right thing to do. We're seeing this right now, the Trevor Bauer situation. If there's any wrongdoing in the realm, in this realm, and, and look, it, was a, it seemed like it was a credible allegation. If it wasn't, they wouldn't have spent as much time investigating it as they did. Two months is a long time. So I would assume that either it was a crappy investigation that was took way too long. And look, I'm used to seeing those. Uh, I cover NCAA sports. So you talk about crappy investigations that take way too long and have bad conclusions. That's there. Now, two months makes me think they did their – well, it could have been it could have been a myriad of things. Number one, uh, it could have actually taken two months. They did their due diligence. Two, it took them less time, but for optics, they waited a little bit longer to send FP back to the booth. Or three, maybe a mixture of both where it took a little bit more time. They wanted to take time with the investigation, but also it was thrown at the same time. And four, I mean, we could – you know, there could be something completely – else going on to play or something more malicious, but we're not going to, pre- I don't presume that to be the case at all. So I think the situation here with FP is that they investigated it at Major League Baseball. Masson asked for them to come in, which I like. I like the idea of Masson saying, hey, look, we want an external body to come in and help us investigate. Um, you know, a Masson-owned investigation would, be, would look a bit more suspicious to some people. I think the fact that the governing body of baseball said, hey, We'll help you out here. We, you know, we'll, we'll come in and help with the investigation. They did. FB sat out. Justin Maxwell came in. I thought did a really good job. I'd love to see Justin Maxwell get back into the booth. I'd love to have him back a, a couple times, uh, you know, maybe do 10, 15 games a year. That would be great. I'm a huge fan of Justin Maxwell. Um, I thought he did a really good job and continued to get better as time went along. And look, that guy deserves a lot of credit. He is also in dental school. Um, I am the son of two dentists. One, my dad is a general dentist. My mother is a periodontist. Guys, that is a grind and a half. He was in dental school during the day. He was at Masson at Nationals Park at night, and he was doing them both. And look, to be to be like really fair to him, um, like during some of the day games, you guys would see that he would not be there. Dan Colco would come in and do some color commentary sometimes because Justin Maxwell, uh, you know, was was in dental school. That's kind of the situation they were dealing with. So shout out to him. You really handled the situation pretty well. As you guys are hearing Bowie shake, uh, she's shaking off some water, it looks like, in the background. But yeah, um, you know, once again, FP, I think a lot of fans are glad to have him back. I'm glad, a, or I hope, 
a thorough investigation was done. And look, this is the world we live in, people. You know, you, you have to, uh, I'm in a due process here. And FP got a fair investigation. Uh, there is no criminal, obviously, in part of this investigation. If he was cleared, he should definitely be back in the booth. And I think he understands that with situations like this, time is needs to be taken to fully investigate. Um, I don't think it's right to have a guy calling games while he's being investigated for such actions. Um, I'm glad they took it seriously. I think the right steps were taken. And it seems like all sides are prepared and ready to move on. So as should we. But I think it was important to update that because some of you all who, you know, uh, these summer weekends, I know people can be here and there. Uh, I know whenever my family travels, uh, they're, they're kind of out of the loop when it comes to certain sports things. So maybe not all of you guys watched the games this weekend or even noticed. You might have watched the games and might not even notice that FP was back. It was such a crazy busy weekend, but he is back in the booth. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll discuss the National Series this weekend against the San Diego Padres. They lost two of three. We'll touch on that later on in the show. We will preview the Nationals, uh, their upcoming series, uh, multiple coming up here. So we'll have that. We will get to that coming up. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked on Nationals podcast is brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com has thousands of parts from hundreds of manufacturers. You can go there today at rockauto.com and check them all out. And also the best part about rockauto.com is you will spend 30, 50, sometimes even 100% less than you would at a chain store or a dealership. So go to rockauto.com today to check out, once again, those thousands of parts from that hundreds of manufacturers that they've got there. Anything you guys need, uh, brake lamps, uh, you, know, flu- you know, cars need fluids everywhere, any kind of fluid in your car, carpeting, uh, upholstery. They got everything that you need there at rockauto.com. Go check them out today. Rockauto.com. Put the uh, put locked on and they how did you hear about us box? That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Always low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, so the Nationals got off to the second half of their season uh, with some difficulty. All right, they had a difficult time starting off their series. They, uh, they end up losing... Uh, two or three against the San Diego Padres. Now, the Nats went out west before. They split with the Padres. They should have won three games. So the Nationals were also able to, able to get some people back. Uh, they've made some moves, though. They did recall Andrew Stevenson from Rochester, but I think they might have actually sent him back down. I've seen um, several different things on the status right now of Andrew Stevenson, so we'll see what happens with him. But um, still have Joe Ross in the I.L., and then recently, the really bad news was that Steven Strasburg, uh, he said he, he said his neck did not feel right. So he's going to back off mound work for right now, which is not a good sign. The Nationals definitely need him back in the lineup or in the lineup, in the rotation. Still dealing with Joe Ross's injury as well. He's still on the 10-day IL right now. They made a couple moves too. Rene Rivera has gotten the, has, has signed a uh, major league contract. Obviously, Trace Pereira is in there right now. Rene Rivera is going to back him up as Jan Gomes and Alex Avila are both on the IL. Kyle Schwarber is on the IL as well right now, still in the 10-day IL. Uh, looks like they're I mean, they're going to try to get him back as soon as possible. Who knows on that front? So guys like uh, Gerardo Parra and Yadiel Hernandez are going to hang out on the roster still right now as the Nationals continue to try to figure those things out. As for the action itself this weekend, the Nationals, as I said, uh, they lost two of the three games. Their pitching got absolutely pounded this weekend. And when I say these numbers, 
this is true. In the last four games, three games, three games, so last three games, the Nationals gave up a total of 41 runs. They score, they give up 41 runs in the three games, the Padres. Um, do your quick math in your head, whatever you need to do. That's a lot of runs per game, uh, whatever it is. I'm not actually going to do it. No, we'll just, we'll just do, type in right now on Google. 41 divided by three. That is 13.6. So round up, it's basically 14 runs a game that the Nationals were giving up. Now, um, they sc- the Padres did score 24 in one game, but they followed that up with 10 and then seven. I mean, uh, when you score seven, 10, and 24, you probably, accept, you probably expect to get a sweep most times. That's kind of the expectation when you play that well. But um, the Nationals were able to get a win, so I guess it's kind of a positive is the fact that they were able to do that. 24-8, we won't spend too much time on this game because it was such a damn train wreck for the Nationals. But uh, Chris Paddock went for the end of the pitching for the Padres. Eric Fetty went for the Nationals. He got tagged in this game. One in the third innings, three hits, six earned runs, four walks, 1K for Fetty, and just once again, an inning and a third. The bullpen got tagged, too. The only person who did not give up any runs in the bullpen was Ryan Harper, Machado, Espino, Clay, Suero, and Jeffrey Rodriguez. All got tagged, as my phone's going off, all got tagged for runs in this game. So all those guys end up getting touched up in this contest. Um, Chris Paddock, the Knights actually did a pretty good job of getting to him in this game. But look, the onslaught from the, from the Padres was immediate and was often. It was 3-3, three to three, and actually the Nats were able to even this game up in the first inning, but then the Padres struck for 7 in the second to make it 10-3, to three. Uh, one in the third, one in the fourth, one in the fifth, sixth, uh, six in the sixth. They scored at least one run in the first six innings of the game. The seventh inning was the only inning in which they didn't score. They got four in the eighth, one in the ninth. They got 24 runs on the 22 hits. The Nationals made three errors. They scored eight runs on 13 hits, though, but... Yeah, this game was basically over from the second inning on. The Nats got into some trouble. They ended up loading the bases, and Andres Machado came out. And Will Myers absolutely blasted one 425 feet off of him uh, to make this game 10-3. to It was 6-3 to at that point. The Nats were trying to hold on to see if they could keep that a, a three-run game. And then it got blasted into the outfield uh, by Will Myers. Jake Cronenworth added another, uh, another run the next inning, and then Eric Hosmer out of the run in that fourth to make it 12-3. to And at that point, you really knew the game was over. But the Nationals did have some bright points. Juan Soto homered twice in this game, and he really has begun to hit the ball well. This was a good weekend for him. We'll get more into his performances as we go along. But for him, uh, a nice night, a four-for-five night as he begins to elevate that uh, that batting average. So he, he's coming out of the gate real hot and Look, this is something that I have to give more credit to Matt Weirich here, our guy. He's been all over the place. Matt did say, hey, look, could the home run derby be something that actually helps one? One's a good hitter in general. Does this kind of – does an event where you search for power help project your power in the actual games? Uh, the answer is a yes. The answer is a yes right now, or at least appears to be a yes. But I think that only might pertain to guys like one. We, we've always talked about this. Oh, does being in the home run derby – hurt you. Well, look, for a guy like Alonzo, where you might always just be swinging for the fences, sure, maybe it does. But for a guy like a Soto, who's such a good all-around hitter, I've talked about that nauseam how I think that um, teams playing the shift against him are not very smart because this guy hits more ground balls to the left side than any left-hander in the league, it feels like. Uh, that, that 
you know, once again, that could be wrong. But I, I just think if you watch the games, you're like, yeah, this guy goes the other way all the time. It's always a massive hole there. And a lot of those, even if defenses were, play, were playing straight up, I still I still think he would get uh, many base hits in the gap. So, um, yeah, this guy is excellent at going the other way. It's just one of the great abilities that he has. But I think this power right now has helped carrying over. And uh, for one, he went 0 for 4 in this game. Uh, not a great weekend, but we're seeing it more and more throughout the course of the weekend. Uh, yeah, difficult one, though, for Patrick Corbin. Five and third innings, six, uh, six earned runs, three Ks, four walks. Another night where the Nationals make three errors. Their defense has not been good this weekend. But once again, it's a mismatched group on defense. I mean, think about where guys are lined up right now. Alcides Escobar is playing second base. Uh, Josh Harrison right now is in left field. Jordy Mercer right now is playing third base. Rene Rivera is catching. So, uh, you know, you talk about where guys are. Third base is not a normal starter. Second base, not a normal starter. Catcher, not a normal starter. And left field, not a normal starter in terms of who actually plays left field. Josh Harrison has been playing second base for the Nationals all year long. He has not been out there patrolling uh, in left field. That's not really where he's been at. So Rene Rivera had an error. Um, and, you know, that, that's kind of what we're talking about with those new guys getting there, getting involved. And still had a couple errors too, which we're not used to seeing. But I, I think once again, this whole defensive alignment has kind of thrown things way out of whack. The Nationals were down in this game when it was paused. And after the restart, things did not go much better. And once again, Patrick Corbin's inconsistencies have come back to really hurt the Nationals. Finnegan gets touched up in this game. Sam Clay gets touched up in this game. Andres Machado and Ryan Harper. And Ryan Harper has been very good uh, this year at the major league level. Uh, those guys uh, pitched okay. But but the, the pitching as a whole right now, as I mentioned, not good. Final game, 8-7 win for the Nationals. This one was a wild back-and-forth affair. Max Scherzer, seven innings, four hits, four in runs, three uh, three walks, eight Ks, two runs given up by way of the homer. Not a great start, but considering the circumstances, what, everything that happened, the emotions that the Nationals were feeling, and the fact that this is a red-hot Pad- uh, Padres offense at the moment, I thought he did a great job. Joe Musgrove goes five innings, eight hits, Four earned runs, uh, he gives up. The Nationals were able to get eventually into the game to Pagan and Melanson to get things done. Here's how it went down throughout the game. The, the Nationals and Padres are even through one inning. The Nationals go in the third, though, and use some small ball, a Josh Bell ground out, a Josh Harrison uh, double. So Josh squared getting the job done there. Andrew Stevenson single and a Trace Barrera single drive in four runs. Then Max Scherzer gives up a three-run shot. Uh, later on in the in, in the inning, top of the oh, excuse me, later on in the game, top of the fourth, three run shot to Eric Hosmer, Manny Machado with a three run shot in the top of the eighth makes this thing a uh, a six to four game. You think at that point, uh, this is really not where the Nationals want to be. Uh, they're not a team that normally comes from behind. But guess what happens? Alcides Escobar and Juan Soto both hit home runs. Escobar a solo shot. Turner gets his way on base, and Juan Soto does the job too. And then later on in the game. Uh, the Pirates, or the Padres, rather, tied it up in the ninth. And then Escobar in the bottom of the ninth singles to center, which scores Trace Barrera off the wall. And this is something that I think we have to talk about because, look, that was a huge game. And the Nationals are six games under 500. We'll talk about where they are in one second. But Alcides Escobar, for him to walk it off for the Nationals, this is a guy that they did not expect to be on the roster. This is not a guy they expected at all to be with the team. But for Alcides Escobar to show up, to hit first 
for the Nationals. This is a guy who's hitting 296. He hadn't played in the major leagues since 2019, and the Nationals have brought him in, and he has been their leadoff hitter, people. He's been their leadoff guy. Hadn't played baseball in two years, and in this game, he goes deep, and also he has the game-winning hit as he goes two for five. And look, this is baseball and football, I think, are the two sports where you see guys come off the street. I know he's not literally on the street, but guys come out of nowhere and make an impact. This is a guy that is a veteran, He's been in the game for a long time. He's a world champion, which I think is huge. 34 years old, and here's what happens. The Nationals give him an opportunity, and he has seized that opportunity so far. And with the news right now that the Nationals are dealing with, it sounds like Starlin Castro might not be back for a while. We have to see where that investigation goes right now. Major League Baseball is investigating this domestic violence issue that he's going through. Alcides Escobar is still getting a seat at the table right now. He's still getting the, getting a, 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 a jersey, I guess you will, the locker room, right? Uh, if we're playing musical chairs, he's, you know, he's got a chair reserved for him with his name on it. Uh, whenever he's sitting down, Alcides is sitting down, and he's not the one left out in the cold you know, being sent down or whatever it is. But for his performance right now, he has been tremendous. He is playing in the field every single day, and also he is, you know, he's batting every single day too. I mean, uh, you know, he's leading off them every single day. Another day, the Nationals do make an error. It's, once again, not on him. Um, but still, like the fact that he's out there doing this thing every single day, it's absolutely unreal. So he's, he's been good enough in the field, by my perspective, uh, so far this year. He's been really uh, more than I think we all thought at the plate. So good at the plate, they continue to bat him leadoff. No, he is not even close to being Kyle Schwarber. Not even anywhere in the neighborhood, sure. But with that in mind, what he has done this year, uh, coming in out of nowhere for the Nationals, I think you have to commend the job that he has he's done so far uh, and in the amount of time that he has played because he's been with the Nats now for, what is it? It feels like he's played, yeah, he's been with the Nationals basically the entire month of July. He came in uh, on the 13th, uh, excuse me, on the 13th, he came in on the 3rd, and he has been getting four bats ever since, man. It's, this guy's been playing a lot. So for Alcides Escobar to show up the way he has is huge. We'll talk about where the Nationals are at in a second um, after this break coming up. But that winning that game, because a sweep here would have really put the Nationals behind the eight ball in a lot of respects. And now they're still within some kind of striking distance. And I'll explain next. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.ag is the best place to bet on all your sports action, whether it be MLB, NBA, NHL, NFL, UFC, boxing, horse racing, F1, NASCAR. All of those things I just listed and more are available at BetOnline.ag today. Go to BetOnline.ag, see all of those things, sign up. It's free to sign up. Uh, if you go there today, you can do it on your phone, you can do it on your tablet, you can do it on your computer. Go to betonline.ag, sign up, make an account, use the promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N, Locked On, and you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus. If you deposit 100 bucks, you get an extra 50 to play with today at betonline.ag. BetOnline, they're your online sportsbook experts. All right, it's the Nationals right now. Let's break down where they are in terms of the standings and just overall on the year. So the Washington Nationals. With that loss yesterday, they go to 43 and 49. That puts them now in fourth place in the National League East. But 
after this weekend's results, ladies and gentlemen, they are actually no further back than they were to start off the All-Star break. So when I talked about treading water against the good teams, this is what I meant. Now there are 43 and 49, as I discussed, fourth place. The Braves are 45 and 42. It's four games back. The Phillies are 47 and 45, just two games back of the New York Mets, who are at 48 and 42. They lost two of three this weekend, almost got swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates. They are at 48 and 42, but they're vulnerable right now. Jacob deGrom is on the IL. Uh, functionally, right now, their three most dependable pitchers are, and this is this is pretty crazy to think, uh, Taiwan Walker, who got shelled yesterday, Marcus Stroman, and then Tyler McGill. Those three guys are who the, who the Mets are relying on right now as Jacob deGrom hits the 10-day IL with an injury. So... They are vulnerable. The Phillies are playing some good ball right now. They've won two games. They're 7-3 in their last 10. Uh, and the one team behind is the Marlins. They are 40-53. and 53. They are nine and a half games back. Now, the big news here is the New York, uh, the, excuse me, New York, the Washington Nationals will now go on to play the Miami Marlins for three games and the Baltimore Orioles for three games. Those are critical series coming up here. The Nationals We've discussed it. They have done their part against the lower-tier teams this year. They've done pretty well against uh, bad teams, as we have discussed. They did a good job early in the year against Arizona. Uh, they won, I think, a majority of the, yeah, they won a majority of the games against Diamondbacks. They did a good job sweeping the Marlins earlier in the year. They only played them a couple times. They took two or three from the uh, Diamondbacks, as I mentioned. They swept the Orioles earlier in the season. But the Nationals, for the most part, in that last stretch, played a lot of good teams. The only bad teams they played were the Pirates, who they swept, and then they split four with the Marlins in Miami. So not ideal, but still, they had a sweep over them earlier in the season. So the Nationals need to go to work once again against bad teams. They've got six opportunities here against the, the Marlins and then the Orioles. So uh, three this weekend in Baltimore, but the three against the Marlins precedes that. Here's what you got. On Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, it is three 7.05 games. Tonight's game's on ESPN+, Plus, but if you live in the area of Masson, just watch it on Masson. I think they might black it out on ESPN+, Plus if you're in the area. Um, I'm not sure what the news is yet. I haven't seen anything on Twitter about starters for other games. But tonight for the Nationals, they are going to throw John Lester out there. This is a big opportunity for him. He needs to have a good outing. Needs to get the Nationals on the right note. Maybe build a little win streak here. Get about two, two games in a row. Uh, they do not know who's going to be starting the game after that. I would posit that it's probably going to be Paolo Espino. He has been the guy that's taken that spot uh, in many opportunities this year, so I'd assume maybe a Paolo Espino appearance right there. He is going to be going up, whoever it is, against Trevor Rogers, the uh, incredible, unbelievable, unreal rookie that has done fantastic things this year. Numbers are spectacular. I'd compared him and Scherzer when kind of discussing who should and should not be an all-star, uh, but he was very deserving. He's going to be Rookie of the Year probably, and he has been fantastic. And then on Wednesday night, you get Sandy Alcantara going up against uh, Eric Fetty. So the Nats do sadly draw one of the, or two, at least two of the aces from the Marlins, but uh, here they go in this game, in this series. Rodgers and Alcantara, they've got Lester. Uh, probably it's going to be Pablo Espino uh, and then Fetty. So... Difficult stuff, but a great chance to get off on a good note tonight. We don't really know who's going to go for the Marlins, at least to my knowledge at this point. So three-game series setting up. We'll see what the Nationals can do. We'll break it all down on this week's shows. 
All right, follow me on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. That's the show account. You can follow me personally at Josh Neighbors underscore. Until next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.